Wow. Good morning. It's so great to see you, New Life family. And my name is Joanna, and I'm just so glad that you are all here this morning. And I just want to say a welcome to those of you um, watching online. We are so glad you are here, and welcome back to our patio. Um, They were off last week. It was raining. I did see one of them out there with their umbrella, but um, just welcome back. And um, we have coffee and snacks back out in the patio today. So if this is your first time here, or you've been coming for a while, kind of checking us out, we would love to meet you at Connections. We have two in the lobby. We have one outside, and we have a mug for you. And more than that, we just want to share with you how loved you are by Jesus and just places for you to connect with other believers here. Um, The other thing I've had on my heart, I've talked to a couple people this morning where it was just kind of tough to come today. The week was hard or you're walking through things. And I just wanted to remind you all that we have encouragement card walls in the lobby. We have one outside on the patio and we have these little cards by it. And um, we have a crew that during the week they pray and they write cards about however God leads them. And it is the coolest thing. And I promise you, there is a card for you of God's promise and how he sees you. And I just invite you to take, to take a card. And if you know somebody that could use encouragement, I just invite you to fill out one of these cards. There's mailboxes there. And just drop one in. So as we get started this morning, I, I am just so excited. We are going to be led in worship by our student band. And I know it is just so, so cool. And if you have not been to uh, their worship on a Wednesday night, I just invite you to do so. And um, yes, we're all students because I am a student too, because I've gone back to school. And then there's Travis over there. I'm thinking maybe he he was in a band in high school, so it's okay, Travis. But um, would you just take a moment to stand up, greet someone, and tell them that you are so so glad that they are here today.
So church, we're gonna go into another song. It's a new song for our church. It's called More Than Able. And um, I wanna read a scripture out of Ephesians 3, only two verses, verses 20 and 21 says this, now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him being Jesus, glory to him in the church, not just new life, but all the churches represented in the Central Coast, all the churches represented in America, all the churches represented in the world, the churches that can't gather like this because of persecution, all glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. This song that we're about to sing is called More Than Able. There's a part in the song uh, that says, uh, with all of the faith in the room. And there's some, man, there are some things in in our church's life right now, in particular in student ministry, Um, that God is looking for our faith. We have a seventh grader who is just diagnosed with leukemia. We need faith in the room to pray to a God that we believe and has been revealed in scripture as healer. So is God more than able to do what we can ask or imagine to heal this little boy? Yes and amen. We have another young man who's a high schooler who is has no feeling from his waist down. And y'all know the family and we are praying for, praying for Jared, Jared Stoltz. And, 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 and God is looking for faith in the room. God's not looking to manipulate us. I'm not looking to do that. What God is looking for, what pleases God is faith. And we know that through scripture, faith is what pleases him. And we have a and we're about to sing a song that is declaring that our God is more than able to do anything we can ask or think. So during this next song, you may need things in your life, either if it's broken relationships in your life that you need a God to do more than able. Or it could be your children or grandchildren are wayward, or they're prodigals, or they're, you, you need a God that can do more than, than, than we can ask or think or imagine. It may be your parents whose relationship is not so well right now and they're maybe trying to figure things out. We need a God that can do more than we can think or imagine or ask. So this next song, you you can sit down, you can stand up. I would encourage you to stay standing, but you can come up to the altars. You can use your chair as an altar. You can use those around you as an altar to pray with them, pray for them. If you know people around you that are going through something that we need to call upon a God that says, only if you come to me, ask, seek, and knock. So my prayer for us this morning as a church is that we would be stirred in our faith this morning to believe the things that we read in scripture, that God is a restorer of relationships. He's a reconciler of people. He is a healer. He is the one that can bring our our kids or our grandkids out of that way that we don't like and into a different way, out of darkness and into a light. He can restore our marriages. He can restore our friendships. He can restore wrong relationships in our lives because he is the God that heals everything. It may not be right right now today, but we serve a God that one day when, when, when the sky cracks open and we go into the clouds to be with our God forever and ever, then there will be no more tears no more sorrow, no more pain, and no more death. So let me pray into this moment right now and we'll declare that our God is more than able. So Father, we we bless your name. We thank you that you are the God who sees us. You are the God who hears us. You are a God that actually comforts us and you are a God that actually cries and weeps and mourns with us.
And so we're, we are grateful that you are that type of God and that we can come to you because we have access because of the blood of Jesus and what your son Jesus has done on the cross for, our, for us. And so thank you, Lord, for the boldness that we have to come into your presence. And so, Lord, stir up faith in this room. And we will declare that you are the God that's more than able to do infinitely more than we can ask, think, or imagine. And so all glory to you. In Jesus' name.
Psalms 145, eight through 10 says, the Lord is merciful and compassionate, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. The Lord is good to everyone. He showers compassion on all of his creation. All of your works will thank you, Lord, you and your faithful followers will praise you. So Lord, I just pray that you pour your love and your healing into this room and that you reveal yourself to everybody in this room. Oh
for you, God, and your faithfulness, God, and how you are able, God, and you are the same as you were yesterday, today, and tomorrow, God. We just praise your name. I just thank you for today and everybody in here, God. God, I just pray for just a fresh, just pouring of your love and your presence all over, God, that everybody would just feel drenched by your love, God. In your name, amen. And you may have a seat. And um, we're just going to continue with our worship. And I'd like to invite the ushers forward to receive the offering. And we just um, we just thank you for your generosity. And if you want to know about how to be part of what we're doing here at New Life, I just invite you to download our app. And... Um, I am just really excited. Next weekend is what we call Celebration, Celebration Sunday. And we get to celebrate what God has been doing through child dedications and through baptisms. And we get to hear testimonies of how he has just changed lives. And if you are feeling nudged at all about getting baptized, I just invite you after this service, we are going to be having a baptism meeting right here. And I just invite you to come, and we are going to pray. We are going to talk about what baptism is, and then just talk about what next week will look like. And you get a t-shirt. So again, if you are feeling nudged at all, we would love to talk to you. And again, right here, right after service. And um, I've just been, my heart has... um, just been so blessed to be hearing the stories of our students that have been baptized recently. And right, but it's so great because you hear about a baptism and then you hear a couple weeks later that it, their sibling was baptized, their parents were baptized. It is so cool to see what God is doing. And then also just this last September, um, our dear friend Ray Lloyd was baptized on his 100th birthday. Like it is never too late. And He was in heaven about a month later. So I just again encourage you, if you feel God nudging, now is the time. And as we celebrate next week, we love to celebrate as a New Life family. But we also love to be there when we go through hard stuff, right? And grief is one of those one of those things, and we grieve when you grieve. And um, starting at the end of February, we are going to do a grief share class. And I just invite you, we have cards out there, you can talk to me about it, but it's something that Pastor Tanya, who's one of our licensed therapists, and myself have had really heavy on our heart about um, just journeying with you um, in your grief as God will turn grief into joy. So if that is something, we would love to talk to you about that at Connections. And we just have a lot of other things for you to look at again on our app. So as we get... um, we get ready to hear God's word. I am not very coordinated these things. We're going to see if I can read my Bible at the same time. But um, we, uh, Pastor Gina is going to close out our service called Known for It, our sermon series. So would you stand with me out of respect for God's word? We are going to be in Matthew, if you want to turn with me, Matthew 11, 2 through 6. John the Baptist, who was in prison, heard all about the things the Messiah was doing. So he sent his disciples to ask Jesus, are you the Messiah we've been expecting or should we keep looking for someone else? Jesus told them, go back to John and tell him what you have heard and seen. The blind see, the lame walk, those with leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and the good news is being preached to the poor. And he added, God blesses those who do not fall away because of me. Then, if you could turn to Matthew uh, 28, 18 to 20. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Let's pray. Father, I just come before you this morning. We come to you as your children. We come to you acknowledging, Lord, that we need you. That 
that there's a lot going on in a lot of people's lives, Lord. But you see it, you know it, you're in it. And this morning, Lord, I just, I pray that we would stand solid and know the truth. And that is you are a good, good God. You're in every moment. You are here now. And this morning, Lord, we come before you to dive into your word, not because we're checking this off as a task this morning, but we're coming to you this morning, Lord, because we want to be more and more like you. Father, I pray that this morning your word would shape us, that we would know who we are, that we could stand on a solid foundation when someone says that they believe that you can do anything, that they're not just saying words, Lord, but they own it and that they believe it. And so this morning, I pray, Lord, that you would move. We give you our lives. We give you this space. We give you our community. And we thank you for this opportunity. Shape us, Lord. Help us know who we are in you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen. As you're taking a seat, I, uh, I realize that there's a lot of faces and a lot of people that we uh, are new here this morning. And I've talked to a lot of people who say they've seen us online for the first time. And so I just want to make sure that as we start this morning, that we're kind of all on the same page. We understand where we're at. And so we don't, one feels like they're lost but we are in a series entitled Known For It. And Pastor David, who is our lead pastor, has been taking us for the last month through this series. And it's been interesting to listen to him talk about what we are going to be known for. What should we be known for? Who are we as Christ followers? And see, this series came about, and he explained it to us in that very first message, that as he lifts up his role, our church, and ask the Lord what it is we're supposed to be doing, what's he supposed to be preaching, where does God want us to go? David's desire is to go where God is moving. And so the Holy Spirit stirs in his heart, hey, this is an election year. And 2024 is an election year, and you know what? 2020 wasn't that great. 2020 was rough. Many of you have different memories about what 2020 was like. It was not only an election year, but it was also we were in the middle of a pandemic. Life was chaotic and it was crazy. And what I think we learned from it is that fear can definitely take over an entire country. Fear can literally live so greatly in our hearts and in our minds and in our homes that we start operating out of fear. And fear causes us to be divided. It pits us against one another. Fear actually tells us that we are right all the time. And that the other person is wrong all the time. And that we need to be, keep the people that are like us, who believe like us, close to us. And anyone else, we don't care what happens to them. Fear is brutal. Fear will get into our lives and make you feel like you are losing all control, that God is out of control, that we are forgotten about, and it's kind of crazy. In 2020, most of us experienced people, or maybe you experienced it yourself, a fear that you were losing everything, that if this vote didn't go right in 2020, that we were going to lose our identity, we were going to lose our freedom, we were going to lose our money. But that makes me wonder, like, why? Why did fear get so much power in our lives? And so here we are, 2024. And you know what the goal is? We're not doing it again. The goal is for fear not to win and not to live in us and not to scramble us, but we want to be known as Christ followers. As people of a different kingdom, people who belong not to the kingdoms of this world, but to God's kingdom. But as David asked me to do this, the tie up this uh, sermon series, I started asking myself, known for is such a great thing, because what do we want to be known for? But then I started having the question, how do you become known for anything? 
Like, it's interesting to me, how do we become known? I was like, what am I known for? I'm like, does anybody even know me? Like, you start kind of, I don't know what I'm known for. But then I realized there are, like, people's names I could say, and you all know who they are. And you know what they're known for. If I say Michael Jordan, the majority of us know who he is and what he's known for. If I say Taylor Swift, yep, there you go. Perfect. I mean, you know. If I say Walt Disney, you know. Why? Why do you know who they are and what they do? Why do you know what they're known for? How do we become these people who all know the same thing? It's because we saturate ourselves in those people and what they do. We purposely go to games. We purposely attend concerts. We read news about them. We go and experience the places that were created. We saturate ourselves in information, experience, and we know exactly who they are. And then what do we do? We start telling everybody. You know, there's surveys that get put out when you go someplace, you're like, would you recommend it to a friend? I mean, they want to know, are you going to use your mouth and share about our restaurant, our company, our whatever, your experience? It's kind of how our world is wired. And I think to myself, how do we become known for something? What do we want to be known for? It's interesting because this series has really sparked a lot of great conversations, I've heard great comments, I've heard great conversations, and even in our own team over at the community center, uh, Carrie, we all sit around and have lunch almost every day together as a team, and she just out of nowhere is like, what were you guys known for in high school? And I was like, oh, huh. (laughs) Don't pick me, right? (laughs) And it was funny because I realized I learned a lot. There are some people on our team who will say what they were known for in high school, they're still known for today. They have been consistent. They were Christ followers. They were faithful. They were always a good friend. They were always outgoing. Like, like, I was like, whoa, here's me. Like, don't ask me, you don't want to know. Like, that's the first thing I thought of. Is like, because who I was, when you asked me who I was known, what I was known for in high school, was for a person who was so self-centered. So I looked at the world through a lens of like, I don't care about anything or you or anyone else. I don't care what happens to the next person next to me and I probably had a nice dark thought about what should happen to you. I did not want to be known. And I had to say when my turn came around because it couldn't skip me, I was like, I, I wouldn't be known for those things today. I mean, have I always loved sports? Absolutely. Do I, have I always, my whole life, loved the 49ers? Absolutely. Yes, I didn't wear anything. Be proud. Like, absolutely. But church, if the only thing you know about me is that I am a diehard 49er fan, I'm going to be the saddest person on the face of the earth. That is not what I want to be known for. That is not what I want to be. That is an aspect of my life that I enjoy and love and I cheer and I win and I don't even play. But I am like, I love it. But I don't want to be known for that. That would be a huge failure in my eyes. So what do we want to be known for? I want to be known as someone who doesn't just believe in Jesus but loves Jesus and follows Jesus and hopefully pours out Jesus. That's what I want to be known for. See, and I think to myself, why do we even have to ask ourselves what we are known for as the church? Well, I think part of it comes out of this place where we sell ourselves short. I mean, think about it. When people ask you, what does it mean to be a Christian? One of the most common answers I hear is, I believe in Jesus. There's nothing wrong with that answer, but it seems like it's super, that has no depth, right? I believe in Jesus. I ask people in my office every day, especially if they're new, what their spiritual history is. And like, what do they believe? I believe in Jesus. Okay, no offense, but a lot of people believe in Jesus. A lot of people, Satan believes in Jesus. Satan tried to give Jesus all the kingdoms of the world if he would bow down to him. 
A lot of people have heard of Jesus. If you don't know the Jesus story, he didn't, he didn't take the offer, just so you know, okay? We're not gonna talk about that today. But he was offered all the kingdoms of the world. I talk to people all the time who have heard of Jesus, know Jesus' name, but they have a lot of definitions for him, a lot of thoughts about him. And I gotta tell you, if they really knew Jesus, he is nothing like they think, nothing. He is not going to meet their expectation. He's gonna blow their minds when they, when they find him as Lord and Savior. Which is why we're looking at Matthew chapter 11 as one of our passages this morning. Because you know what? John the Baptist, he knew Jesus was the Messiah. He knew he was the Messiah. And yet, Jesus didn't meet his expectations. And so in Matthew chapter 11, John the Baptist is actually in prison. And he hears all of what's going on. It says in chapter two, John the Baptist, who was in prison, heard about all the things the Messiah was doing. So he sent his disciples to ask Jesus, are you the Messiah we've been expecting? Or should we keep looking for someone else? Jesus told them, go back to John and tell him what you have heard and seen. The blind see, the lame walk, those with leprosy are, are cured, the deaf hear and the dead are raised to life and the good news is being preached to the poor. And he added, God blesses those who do not fall away because of me. Think about it. John the Baptist knew he was the Messiah. He knew, but what happened? He didn't do what he wanted him to do. I'm, John probably thought that Jesus was gonna come and totally overthrow the government. He was gonna kick Herod to the curb, sit in the throne, and be king. John the Baptist thought that Israel was going to be delivered from their polit political captivity. If anything, John thought you would free me, we're cousins from prison. None of those things happened. Instead, he's hearing things about people being able to walk, about the blind being able to see. It's because Jesus isn't here for political means. He's not here. He doesn't care about those things. He cares about your souls. He cares about people. He didn't come to change politics. He came to forgive our sins. Do we really believe that? He didn't come to, to be part of a political party. He came to bring the kingdom of God to earth. He came to literally die for us. And he didn't just die. He rose again and defeated death. There is no power, no entity, nothing in this world greater than God who sends a son because he loves us so much. The, the lame are walking. The deaf are hearing. Guys, I know we're reading that and we're like, oh, that's great back then, but do we understand that the Holy Spirit is right here, right now? And if you proclaim Jesus as Lord, he is in your life. And stories like this are happening right here. Philip didn't come up here and ask about prayer for Jared or bring up Jared who might never walk again because we don't think Jesus can't heal him. We do believe he can, but his will be done, whatever that is. He does. We have young men becoming transformed by the word of God, by going to youth group. Their siblings are getting uh, married. Their siblings are getting, they're not doing that. Their siblings are getting <laughs> baptized. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. <laughs> Their siblings are getting baptized because they see them changing so much. Parents are coming back to the church our olders are like, I didn't really realize that baptism was that important. And they're like, but I want to declare that I am for Jesus. I have Jesus living in me. I am a new creation. Amen. We have people who are literally, I, I talked to someone this last week. They were talking about a relative who were pray, praying and praying and praying that she would accept Jesus. And she blew it off and blew it off and blew it off. She was like, I had my vices and things I'm not letting go of because this is who I am. And then one day out of nowhere, she just felt like God was like, it's now. And she's never walked back to her old life. The comment was, I can't get enough of him. 
This is happening right here, right now. But how does transformation take place? It's not by just believing in Jesus. It's by following him. And do we know, maybe some people are here today and they don't realize that you're not just joining a club. You're not here for a cause. You are here because you are hearing the word of God that will transform your life. You are here because you want a mind and a heart and a life that literally sees people in a way that you never thought was possible. And maybe you're asking, how do I become this person? How do, like David taught us, how do we love God and love our neighbors? How do I really love the person I can't stand down the street? You know what, church? We're called to love everyone. We don't have to like what we do, but think about it. If the lens you see people through is of love, is of that's my brother or sister, or if that person doesn't know God yet, it will change the way you think about things. In Romans 12, one to two, it says, and so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and a holy sacrifice, the the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. See, we are to be transformed. We are not to be of the world. And I think sometimes we forget that we are supposed to stand apart. In 2020, there was a lot of times where you couldn't tell the difference between a believer and a non-believer. It should never be that way. We should always know who we are and know what we want to be known for. No matter what's happening in this life. No matter what takes place. And I know, and I had someone say to me not too long ago, who cares? Like, what's the point? What does it matter if you transform? Because basically they were telling me, the kingdoms of this world are still gonna push on you. They're still gonna make fun of you. They're still gonna tell you you need to be in this camp and not in that camp. The powers of this world are still gonna freak me out. And I think to myself, no, it doesn't have to be that way. Can we be concerned about what's going on? Absolutely. But if we're transforming and we know our identity, if we know what we are supposed to be known for, who we're supposed to be known for, then that won't have power over our minds and hearts. Remember, there is no power greater than that of God. So therefore, if the world goes crazy, and does its weirdnesses and gets in an area, we should not be in the mess. Let the hairball do its hairball thing, but you don't have to be part of the hairball, right? We're supposed to be set apart. Sometimes I run out of analogies, so I just make stuff up as I go along. It's like, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> like, I get kind of weird. All right, so the difference between us and the kingdoms of this world is that the kingdoms of this world wants to divide us. Kingdom of this world wants you to be afraid of me and wants you to look across the room and be like, they're in and they're out. The kingdom of God draws us all to each other. The kingdom of God draws us to him. The kingdom of God looks at one another with love and grace and forgiveness. You know, the first song we sang this morning was, I choose the Jesus way. And I know sometimes we sing songs and we think, oh, that was a good song. No, let's think about these words. What does it mean to choose the Jesus way? I choose to forgive. I choose to have grace. I choose to worship no matter what we face. Can we? Can we choose that? Because that's what it really comes down to. What do we choose to saturate ourselves with? What do we choose to continuously put in our hearts and our minds? We are fooling ourselves if we think that all we have to do is believe. 
We are fooling ourselves if we think that that is as good as it gets. We not only have to believe, we have to follow. We have to be all in. Because when we only choose to believe, it's too easy for someone to come and convince you of something different. It's too easy to just let the power of your own mind take over. When you're a Christ follower, you know that the power that lives in you is the Holy Spirit. The power of God to transform you and change you. Church, we're supposed to be growing. We're not supposed to just say we believe. We're supposed to be, I'm a student. I am in, I am worshiping. I am, I am learning from those who have gone before me. I am all about Jesus because you, we have a purpose as a church to go and give away our own, our own stories. We're supposed to be transformed and testify. But if we only believe and we're not transformed, what are we gonna testify about? See, we have a purpose and a calling to go. In Matthew 28, 20, Jesus has risen from the dead and he says to his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. See, we have a calling. We have a purpose. As believers and followers of Jesus, we are now disciples. And we are supposed to go. And Jesus says, with all authority. Now remember I said earlier, Satan wanted to give Jesus just the kingdoms of this world. If he'd bow down to him. He did not do so. He is now all a power and all authority in heaven and on earth. All authority. And he is saying to us, go. Go and make disciples. Go is not a suggestion. It's not a strong suggestion. It is a command. Just like we are to forgive is not a suggestion. But when you forgive, I will forgive you. It is a command. Now, sometimes I feel like we don't always understand what it means to be a disciple or how to make disciples. So I looked it up in the message and I love the way it's written. Matthew 28, 18 to 20 says this. Jesus, undeterred, went right ahead and gave his charge. God authorized and commanded me to commission you. Go out and train everyone you meet far and near in this way of life, marking them by baptism in the threefold name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Then instruct them in practice of all I have commanded you. I'll be with you as you do this, day after day after day, right up to the end of the age. We are supposed to go and train others. I think here's something that I've seen people fall for. You believe in Jesus? Good and you walk away. Just because you believe and someone accepts Christ does not make them a disciple. It's kind of like, just because you took psychology 101 doesn't make you a therapist, right? You're not all of a sudden a disciple. To be discipled is to have other disciples, people who have wisdom and knowledge and experience and have saturated themselves in Jesus. And they're coming alongside you and they're teaching you and they're training you and they're calling you out on things when you're not supposed to be doing things. One of the things I love about going to youth ministry, and not just the worship, it's beautiful and it's amazing to see young people just all in. But what I love about leadership in the student ministry is they're just not doing it. They're not putting up with it. You're not here to mess around. You're here to hear about Jesus. And sometimes I think to myself, could you just come up here and say that? I just said it. But like... There are times where I hear the youth leadership and they're just like, hey, and they'll call you out. Hey, sixth graders, this is not what I want here. This is not what I want you to be doing right now. You're supposed to be up here, eyes up here, listening to Jesus. And I say, church, sometimes I'm like, eyes up here, eyes on him, eyes on Jesus. Because you know what? There is a heck of a lot of stuff going on. And people need us. They need us to bring hope 
and grace and forgiveness. They need us to pour out and love and sit and listen without judgment. They need us to be present. They need us to be so soaked in the love and covering of Jesus that they can't get away from it. I know that some of you are in here and you're like, there's no one I could disciple. Not me, he wouldn't call me to do that. Just think about the 12 disciples that he is telling this to. One, they can't believe they have to do this either probably. It hasn't necessarily been a fun ride. But they're not well educated. Just think about it. They spent day after day, who knows how many thousands of hours with Jesus. And they still did some of the dumbest things. We're not going to be perfect, but we can pour out the love of Jesus. There isn't a person in here, if you know and accept and follow and call him Lord, you are called to disciple. You are called to testify. If you can have a story of being transformed, don't keep that story to yourself. You know, I just thought of it right now. I looked down and I saw the Iva Coley's. And I'm not normally like this, but it hit me. I heard a story. They invite people over to their house for dinner of different generations. And it has made a huge impact on some people. Because they're learning from one another. They're hearing wisdom from one place and the struggles of another place. And then you're praying together and you're breaking bread together. Like, this is who we should be. And I don't like to use the word should, but I feel like God's got some shoulds going on. You should be transforming. We should be testifying. We should be spreading the good news. It's not optional. What do you want to be known for? I know most of us go to the first thing. I know what I don't want to be known for. What if we switch that around? What do we want to be known for? What is the point of coming here if we're not going out? What is the point of coming here if we're not going to let it change who we are? Man, I have struggled with this sermon. You can ask my husband, I cry over nothing because I feel like sometimes we're not believing that this is true. Sometimes I think we are sitting here and saying to ourselves, great. I mean, I'm glad you agree. I really am. But I'd be more excited if it was like changing everything about you. If it was literally causing you to go home and say to someone, forgive me for I have sinned. Or I forgive you because I know that you are trying it would be amazing if we would start seeing repaired relationships, if we would start letting things go, because man, God let your stuff go. He let it go. He let my stuff go. Guys, sometimes I'm like, what are we doing? You know what we're doing? We're learning. You know what we're doing? We're transforming. You know what we're doing? We're testifying. And we're seeing it right happen in these walls and across the street and in our community. But this isn't as good as it gets. And I know I say that a lot. But I think we need to remind ourselves this isn't as good as it gets. So if you know me at all, I am a huge fan of like, what are we gonna do? What is your next step gonna be? What is my next step gonna be? To the challenge of what are you gonna do when you leave these walls? There's things coming. We have Celebration Sunday coming, just like Joanna said. And some of you in here have known Jesus for a really long time, and you've chosen not to be baptized. Why? What is so embarrassing about other than you're soaking wet and weird? You come out of the water, and you literally raise your hands, and you're like, this is my life. I went from old to new. And you testify just through an action and the whole church. And you don't know who's here. You don't know who's online watching. You don't know who's new that day. What if he's using you and wants to use you 
to bring testimony and to show and to reveal transformation to people who are here for the very first time. Some of you are like, I don't know the Bible. I just believe in Jesus. Then take Christianity 101. Pastor Dan is constantly wanting to teach people how to read the Bible, dive into it, do the whole thing. And then I know some of you are here and you're just broken. Life has happened. We have support groups. I was telling someone the other day that, you know, our um, divorce care group's gonna come up in February. And they laughed at me and they were just like, what am I supposed to do? Just grovel about the fact that I failed at my marriage? I'm like, I mean, you can, that's up to you. But the truth is, is no. We don't have a support group so you can be with other people and own the title of divorce. The reason we have a divorce care group is so you realize that you are a follower of Jesus. You are a son or daughter of the most high God. Your title is not divorced. It is part of your story. It is not who you are. And some of us need to stop letting go, start letting go of these weird labels that we put on one another. What do you want to be known for? Church, I challenge you this morning. Let's start right here, right now. Let's do it. What, I know it sounds like I'm cheerleading you, but I feel like sometimes some of you have that flat look and I'm like, ah, like, are we doing it? Will you stand with me? Uh, that was a weird transition, but I can't help it. <laughs> my prayer this morning is that all of us, myself, my family, everyone that we know will continue to take steps to know him, to transform so then we go and testify to the goodness and greatness of our Father, through the love of Jesus. So this morning, have an action. It doesn't have to be one of those three. Maybe it's just getting connected. Maybe it's, I don't know, it could be a million things. But may you go this morning feeling transformed. If you don't know him, I almost forgot to say this, then come right here. I would love for you to talk to me or talk to Pastor Phil or Joanna or whoever. Do not leave this room if you wanna know Jesus right here, right now. Jump up and down and I'll find you, I, I, whatever. Don't leave this room without knowing him. And don't leave this room without having an action plan because God's moving. He's just waiting for us to move with him. Bless you guys. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, I love all of you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.